Over 200,000 of the homeless people in the United States of America are women and girls. The most needed and understocked item in homeless shelters, feminine hygiene products. Joy Road Media is proud to tell you about the Clean Love Project. The Clean Love Project's mission is to help women and young girls feel clean, loved, and empowered by distributing clean love kits to alleviate their hygiene needs. Go to thecleanloveproject.org to find out how you can help. The Clean Love Project focuses on the Metro Detroit area, but it also distributes kits worldwide. If you are a female in need of a clean love kit, go to thecleanloveproject.org and request one today. Joy Road Media is a proud supporter of the Clean Love Project at thecleanloveproject.org. Hey everybody, welcome to the Are You Listening podcast. I am Scott, I am here with my good friend Brandon. Brandon, how are you today? I'm great. This is my favorite part of the podcast where we talk like we didn't just talk for 15 minutes. It's my favorite. <laughs> it is. Well, here we are. It's another Saturday. We are recording for our podcast, which is the Are You Listening podcast, where one of us brings to the other one a record that they haven't heard before. We listen to it for a week. We come back, give you some facts about the band and the record, and we talk about our reactions to that record. This week, I gave Brandon... The Foo Fighters, there is nothing left to lose. And we all knew it was coming at some point. We knew it was coming eventually, because you can't go your life without listening to at least one Foo Fighters record. If I'm your friend, yeah. It's true. <laughs> well, I'll just jump into uh, the facts about the band, if you want to just get into it. Up top, I will say my only experience with anything Foo Fighters was whatever songs they had on like the the video game music instrument games like guitar hero rock and band rock, and rock band those are the only yeah. songs that i probably would have known and the only one i can name offhand was like monkey wrench i think like that's the only song no all my life i know that song too okay all my life is the only foo fighter song i ever downloaded to listen to myself oh wow okay and i, I like that song a lot that's a good song. Uh, the Foo Fighters are an American rock band that formed in Seattle in 1994. The band was founded by former Nirvana drummer Dave Grohl as a one-man project following the disillusion of Nirvana after the suicide of Kurt Cobain. The group took its name from a nickname coined by Allied Aircraft Pilots for UFOs and other aerial phenomena. So Tom DeLonge loves the name. Tom DeLonge is a fan, I'm sure. <laughs> Huge at fan. least, At least of the name. <laughs> uh, the band began with Dave Grohl as the only official member, later recruiting Nate Mendel, the bassist, William Goldsmith on drums, both of them from the band Sunny Day Real Estate, and Pat Smear, founding member of The Germs and former touring guitarist for Nirvana. So this is kind of a super group. Pat Smear is not his real name, right? Like that's no, it's a, not. That's the Germ's name? Yes, that's the Germ's name, okay. but he Understood. continues to use it throughout his Understood. musical career. 
they're kind of a super group because Dave Grohl, not only from Nirvana, but he had a band that he originally came from called Scream, which was kind of a hardcore punk rock band. Two dudes from Sunny Day Real Estate and then Pat Smear, yeah, from, from the Germs. And then along with being a part of the Nirvana team, if you don't know who Pat Smear is and you know Nirvana, he played during the uh, the Unplugged record or Unplugged show that MTV did with Nirvana. He was there as a second guitarist. But yeah, he, he was he was part of Nirvana then. So you being a fan of Nirvana, obviously, when Nirvana yeah. was around, yep. were you a fan of Sunny Day Real Estate or The Germs? I knew of The Germs. I liked The Germs' first record. That's the only one I've ever had. Okay. Um, but I liked them. Sunny Day Real Estate, I didn't get into until well after that. I was probably in college when I heard the first Sunny Day Real Estate record I ever heard. What I'm actually asking is, did you follow, whenever the stuff with Nirvana happened, I know you don't like talking about it. No, it's whenever that, Whenever that happened, mm-hmm. were you like consciously hoping for bands from them? Like, And then did you hear rumblings of Foo Fighters and were excited? Or was it just like the album's out? their first album's out and it's just like oh that, that's the dude from Nirvana that's Dave Grohl that was pretty much it yeah okay. I, I didn't know anything about it until the first record came out and then I knew who it was and I was like oh awesome this is gonna be great and then the first record was all Dave Grohl did everything on the first record yeah that's what I was gonna ask I I, I remember I know that from yeah. just like music trivia probably that he sure. did everything on it it was like a solo he played every instrument and everything yeah yeah I found out about Foo Fighters and then uh I think the first single, This Is A Call, came out, and I was super stoked on that. Actually, one of the first songs I learned in my guitar lessons was For All The Cows by the Foo Fighters off their first record. Back to the the lineup, Goldsmith, the drummer who was formerly from Sunday Day Real Estate, actually quit during the recording of the band's second record, The Color and the Shape. And then Pat Smear departed soon afterward but then ended up like coming on as a guest every once in a while while they were touring and then came fully back to be a part of the band in 2010. If the guy left in the second album, that means he Mm -hmm. wasn't even there for a full album because Dave Grohl did the whole first album. So if you leave during the second, you're you're not even there for a album. Well, okay. He, (laughs) the situation was they toured with the first album. Yeah. They toured with the first album, wrote the second album, started recording the second album Dave Grohl didn't like the job that Goldsmith was doing, went and re-recorded the drum parts without Goldsmith knowing. Goldsmith came back, heard the tracks, and was like, that's not me drumming on the tracks. And Goldsmith was like, ah, see ya then. (laughs) You don't need me. That's insane. Yeah. That kind of covers up, because the only other thing I hear about Dave Grohl is how Mm -hmm. nice of a guy he is. Like, that he's just a great guy. That sounds like... I've heard that too. That it does, but like when you have a vision of songs, like you know how they're supposed to sound. I mean, don't get me wrong; people will grow and change too. So, yeah. like he could have been a dick, and maybe he's a good guy now. I'm not. I'm not discounting that. But that what what I've always heard is that oh, Dave Grohl is just it, it, amazingly nice. And then I hear that, I'm like that's that's a that's a dick move. <laughs> it kind of is, but at the same, like I said, at the same time, when you're when yeah. you're creating a song when you're creating art you have a vision of it and if somebody's standing in the way of that vision uh, do you (laughs) if you're capable of making it sound better then yeah you have the right to do it 
it's just it's just weird when I hear that stuff because I I I don't think I understand because every band I've ever been in has been with like mm-hmm. some of my best friends, so I couldn't imagine right. doing that. But I guess like there's that whole people are studio musicians, people just get together to collaborate. That that's a right. different world entirely. I think that also has to do with Dave Grohl starting this as a solo project. Yeah, like yeah, he had, you know what I mean. He he didn't really need anybody else. Like he was quite capable of doing everything on his own, just not touring. Right. So <laughs> yeah. he, he did that whole first record on his own, wrote it, recorded it, all of that. And then needed bands, needed people to tour with. So picked up a couple members. He could have just been like, okay, you're just touring dudes. I'm going to go <laughs> to this record on my own. But I, I think everybody was a part of that second record. If they helped write the album and then that happened, that's shitty. But if it was I don't like, think they were did. just filling in. I think they were, I think Dave wrote everything for the second record as well, but okay. then had them be a part of the recording process. I think that's how the second record went. Plus they had a whole lot of, they had a whole lot of problems with the second record, I guess. Uh, Smear and Goldsmith were replaced by Franz Stahl, former guitarist for the hardcore punk band Scream. Also, like I said, the pre-Nirvana band of Dave Grohl and okay. former Alanis Morissette drummer, Taylor Hawkins. Before the recording of the band's third record, There Is Nothing Left to Lose, Stahl was released from the band due to creative differences. That's all that it's listed as. The band then stayed a three-piece throughout the recording of There Is Nothing Left to Lose. And then former No Use for a Name guitarist Chris Shiflett joined after the completion of the record. After the grueling schedule and emotional toil that was felt during the recording of The Color and the Shape, where two marriages fell apart, the band lost a drummer, and someone nearly went to jail, Dave Grohl decided to buy a house in Alexandria, Virginia, and make their next record in the basement without any record company pressure during production. The band left Capitol Records, and Grohl named his home facility Studio 606, based on the number's consistent presence in his life. Grohl set up the studio with the help of Adam Casper, who was a recording engineer and producer, who has worked with such bands as Aerosmith, Mudhoney, Nirvana, Tragically Hip, Soundgarden, Pearl Jam, and R.E.M. Ooh, now, yeah. I'm, now I'm listening. It seems like a lot of producers from that time worked with all those same bands. Yeah. It, it's weird. It's weird. Like, they're, they're either they're, they're, it's one of two ways. They're either very good at what they did, or it was just like the boys club, you know, like right. nobody else is going to produce. Yeah, yeah, right. He ended up uh, co-producing after he helped build the studio that it was recorded in. As it should be, I guess. If you help build a studio, you should be involved in the albums <laughs> yeah. that come out of it. You would think. <laughs> Girl said the biggest challenge was making the record sound good without computer programs such as Pro Tools or Auto-Tune. So this was all analog recorded live in the basement studio. Grohl has said that the studio was literally a basement with sleeping bags on the walls. He also said about the recording process at that point, it was me, Taylor and Nate, and we were best friends. It was one of the most relaxing times of my whole life. All we did was eat chili, drink beer and whiskey and record whenever we felt like it. When I listened to that record, it totally brings me back to that basement. I remember how it smelled and how it was in the spring. So the windows were open and we would do vocals until you could hear the birds throughout through the microphone and more than any other record I've ever done. That album does that to me. This is his 
at, at least in that interview, this was his like masterpiece. Like he loves this record. This is just, yeah, he just loved doing this record. They should have invited the dude from Pavement over to bring some potatoes, eat with that chili. <laughs> cabbage and mashed potatoes. Hey guys, you got chili? I got cabbage and potatoes. Let's get to work, bud. <laughs> let's, let's do some music. There's Nothing Left to Lose is the band's third studio album. It was released November 2nd, 1999 through Roswell and RCA Records. It was the first of their albums to not be released by Capitol Records and the first to feature drummer Taylor Hawkins. The album is often seen as a departure from the band's previous work, showcasing a softer, more experimental sound. It's wild that you read these things about the band, like the albums being departures from things. And then Mm -hmm. everything you say sounds to me like I would be in my head like, oh, this isn't the album I want to listen to. But then like, that's the one you bring to me every time it is kind of weird how that happens it's really interesting this one i picked because it's my favorite of theirs okay that, that's came, acceptable then yeah <laughs> that's, that's, that's acceptable I, I rescind my accusation <laughs> <laughs> no it, this one just like it came out i was 17 i got my first car i had a job in the summer where i was working at a country club i was the golf staff so i would grab my disc man sit in that little car that picks up the golf balls on the golf range and just listen to this record like in the sun. And can I, can I just say that that entire paragraph might be the whitest shit you ever said? (laughs) (laughs) I can, I, yeah. Okay. I had a job at a golf course. I was the golf staff. I was listening to my Walkman in the sun. (laughs) That's, that's an insane sequence of events that just went i mean so you're very attached to this album though i i am the album is 11 tracks with a runtime of 46 minutes 19 seconds and the original packaging came with a temporary tattoo similar to the one showcased on the cover did you get the temporary tattoo i did have the package with a temporary tattoo did you put the tattoo on your neck i did not i did not i don't think i I don't think I put the temporary tattoo on at all, actually. I think I probably kept it with the packaging. Man, I would have loved a story of you putting that tattoo on and going to the country club. Like, just, <laughs> just... <laughs> Has there been any represses with like a temporary tattoo and like a vinyl? Because that would be a great idea. I don't think so. I don't think so. My, my vinyl doesn't have one. The album had five singles released. Learn to Fly, Stacked Actors, Breakout, Next Year and Generator, which was released as a single in Europe. The album itself peaked at number 10 on the Billboard 200. If I was going to guess, it was going to be like, I was going to say either 8 or like 16 were in my head. So it would have been like right in the middle. Right in between there. Yeah. The album earned the band their first Grammys. Like like win or nominations? No, one. They they won their first Grammys. Yeah. So uh, they won for Best Short Form Music Video for Learn to Fly. And they won for Best Rock Album in in 2000. I feel like Best Rock Album in 2000, they weren't up against many heavy hitters. They were up against Matchbox 20's Mad Season. Is that the one with the guy with the hat on on the front and the glasses? Yes. Yep, it is. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Bon Jovi's Crush, No Doubt's Return of Saturn, and Rage Against the Machines, The Battle of Los Angeles. Which one's that? What's on that one? Uh, That was... Their third record. That's not the big one. Evil Empire is a big one, right? Well, it depends on who you ask. Evil Empire is my big one. Uh, I think that's the big one for me, too. I think Battle for Los Angeles is their 
their biggest one. Battle Los Angeles had Testify on it, Gorilla Radio, Sleep Now in the Fire, Calm Like a Bomb. Uh, it was number one in Time Magazine's critic pick, number one Rolling Stone's critic pick. This record actually came out on the same day as Foo Fighters, There's Nothing Left to Lose. The Rage record. Yeah, the Rage record came out the exact same day. Yeah, that, that makes sense. That sounds about right to me, 99. That's the two bands I would expect to be putting albums out. <laughs> like, I can't imagine. I'm trying to remember. Going to Harmony House November 2nd and seeing the new releases being Foo Fighters and Rage Against the Machine and Mariah Carey's Rainbow and Lil Wayne's The Block is Hot and saves the day through being cool. Other stuff that came out in November 99, Fiona Apple's uh, Win the Pawn. Dr. Dre's 2001 came out. Nas's Nostradamus came out in November 99. Corrin's Issues came out in November 99. And then a big one, I know it's a big one for you, Crazy Town's The Gift of Game. I'm going to be honest. I loved Butterfly when it came out. <laughs> Did I you? loved that shit. I was so into Butterfly. <laughs> yeah, my butterfly, I, sugar, baby. Yeah, I was not it, a fan. My lady. That shit's fucking good. Not a fan. It's not, it's not good. No, it's no, not it's good. Not. But it got me ripping at that age. Somebody was playing that at work like two weeks ago. Yeah, no, I, I don't mean it's good in 2022. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't good in 99. For, for one spot specific person was jamming <laughs> that thing i loved it it was it was perfect probably for a few people because that that song was all over the damn place it was the number one song uh, in november second on november 2nd 1999 baby one more time by britney spears oh that's where i was at then now imagine me listening to baby one more time followed up by butterfly i was living <laughs> i was living and then the number one record I don't think you would even have a chance at guessing this. Give me the initials of the artist. STS. STS. Yeah. Uh, Oh, easy. Stone Temple Silence. Easy. (laughs) Silk the Shocker. Yeah. Wow. He had the number one record. He had the number one record for uh, for two weeks. Wow. No Limit was killing it. He was on No Limit at that time, right? Yes, he was. Yeah. So uh, you want to jump into the track by track? Uh, yes, I think I would like to do that. Give me a rundown of what you what you thought of this record. Yeah, I'd say going into it, like mm-hmm. I said, the only information I had about the Foo Fighters at all was All My Life and Monkey Wrench. And may- maybe I heard other songs. When you gave me this record, you said that I would probably know three songs off this. What songs did you think I would know? Learn to Fly, which is probably one of their biggest singles ever. I definitely know Learn to Fly, and we'll get there when we get to the track list. I mean, we'll get to all these, but I just wanted to know the other two that you thought that's I would true. know. Uh, I thought Stacked Actors, because that's actually on a video game. Which video game? It was uh, it was a playable track in Guitar Hero Metallica, and as a downloaded content for Rock Band 3. Oh, I, do- I did not play Guitar Hero Metallica, and I think Rock Band 3 was right towards the end of when I was playing those Where games. I, I, I played Rock Band 2. And then I think I kind of stopped. So, I, yeah, I, I did not know Stacked Actors. Okay. And then Breakout was the other one I thought you might know. Okay. So uh, we're going to get to all three of those right now. So yeah, we might it's, as well. it's right off the bat. Yeah. So we might as well dive into Stacked Actors. Sure. Yeah. Any opinions I had of Who Fighters, anything in my head that I had of them, I don't think they were necessarily negative. 
Mm -hmm. I just, I, it was more of, I don't care for the most part was what I had. Like I never really had anything against the fighters. I I think I might have stuff against like people who say like Foo Fighters greatest, like greatest band of all time and stuff like that. Like that, those dudes are weird to me. Yeah. I wouldn't ever claim that at one point I would have claimed that they might, they might've been my favorite band. Yeah. Um, but I never would have claimed that they're like one of the greatest bands ever. So when the, when the first track started, I don't know. Is, is it a cabeza? Is it, it, what's the crank that sounds like the low rider song? What instrument is that? <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> Cause it's playing in like the beginning of this track. And yeah. I don't, I did, I did not recognize this track. I recognize the tone of kind of like Dave Grohl. Like I, I kind of like, as soon as the song was playing, I was like, Oh, I get it. Like I get what the Foo Fighters are about for the most part. I don't know why. Like I just okay. immediately, immediately was like, I, I kind of get it. But th- there's like a cabeza or a crank instrument at the beginning that sounds like the <laughs> Lowrider song, and it's it it was exactly weird enough and exactly mm. unexpected enough that I was like, yeah, this is what I need. This is this is this this is the sound. Oh, it cool. turned it, it it like turned my head from. I was going to be like super skeptical of this. And I was just like, what's the sound? And then it opened it up and I was just like, Oh, this isn't what I was expecting at all. Right. The sound was the Dave Grohl sound was, but Mm -hmm. something in there that was different that I wasn't expecting just was, it shocked me. The song rips in a way that like the generic rock that I hate. Yeah. Does. Yeah. That's what I was worried about with this record, like giving you this record. But there's one key difference to it. And, yeah. and I figured out right off the bat, it wasn't one of those, like, I had to work through why it sounded like this. Okay. There is, there's no, like, ulterior motive of, like, ultra-masculinity behind any of it. There's, yeah, no. None of that. There's, it, it's, it's, it is a great, this is just a great rock track. And because I don't, I, I don't know where else I could place it other than rock. Mm-hmm. Nor do I really want to, because if this is what rock is, I can say I like rock right. and, then, and then subcategorize the bands I don't like into things like an yeah. idiot. Some <laughs> some people have claimed that it's post grunge, which is a weird thing to say, because it post grunge would just be, in my opinion, just rock music. I mean, everything can be post or pre something, right? Like you, yeah. you could just call this like pre new metal if you wanted to. You could call this <laughs> right. you could call this pre post hardcore. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. But yeah, th- without that ulterior motive of the, like the ultra masculinity behind everything, I mm-hmm. was really able to enjoy it. Also, and we'll get into this the farther we go. Sure. I just listened to this over and over again. I never dove into the lyrics because I, I got okay. A, I got a bit of them, but I, I, I didn't care. Yeah. It, it was like when I listen to REM, I just like what I'm hearing. Right. With Dave Grohl too, I, I, there's not much. I don't, yeah, I don't want to see the, say there's not much depth to his lyrics, but you kind of get it when you hear it. And then listening to the lyrics, there's no, there's no harshness to his voice where you're not going to pick up what he's actually saying. Yeah, you know what I mean. It, I don't think you needed the lyrics for this at all. I don't. I don't think I did either. Like yeah. I, 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 I am happy with where I am with my review, with listening sure. to this, everything. Yeah. So in the second track breakout, I said that I think I may have heard this track. This one sounded a little familiar to me. Yeah. This one was on the me, myself and Irene soundtrack. 
then that is 100% why I know this. Because I okay. watched Me, Myself, and Irene so many times. <laughs> okay. I loved that movie. Yeah, it's also on the Lego Rock Band game. I didn't even know there was a Lego Rock Band. I sure didn't. But yeah, the song appeared as a playable track on Lego Rock Band and peaked at number 11 on the Billboard Mainstream Rock Charts. It's just another great, just rock banger. The the, the whole, like, quote, I'm a badass, I'm tough mentality is just absent. It's not there. And that's right. what that's what I expect with music that sounds like this, for the sure. most part. You expect, like, Buck Cherry when you talk about rock music. Yes, I expect Buck Cherry. I expect Hinder. Right, I right. Ex- I, ex- I expect, uh, like, Five Finger Death Punch stuff. Right. yeah. Like, and I get that they're, like, a little... And I hate doing this. That Like, they're heavier because I don't think they're heavy at all. But Right, but they're I, on I a think, heavier spectrum from most people. I think Five Finger Death Punch is, like, the nickelback of metal. <laughs> oh that is the greatest thing i've ever heard <laughs> and like nickelback has that i i i i try to avoid bringing nickelback into conversations about pro rock and stuff because it's it's so beat into the ground right but like they do that same thing. like they have that ultra masculinity behind it yeah you know? yeah they do um it, it got a little heavier on the chorus before the, like the bridge ish section on this. And now mm-hmm. is that heaviness, what their previous stuff sounded like, like where he's, <laughs> his, his, his singing is more of a shouty type thing. Not really. I mean, okay. they, I, I know when I said people think this is a departure for the Foo fighters and more experimental and stuff like that. I really don't see it as much of a departure from their previous stuff. Sure. The, okay. the songs, later on in the track list get slower and more ballady but really this this first like half of the record is like any other foo fighters record in my opinion breakout just another gray rock banger learn to fly now this this track the one that you said i would know and that i said i did know and recognize yeah um this song may be in the top 10 rock tracks of all time this the, learn to fly is an incredible song down yeah. to the tambourine of this thing. Like it is just perfect. Right. I, I, I don't even trying to analyze this thing with a magnifying glass or even a microscope. I don't know. I can't say anything about learn to fly. That would be negative. I think it's a, almost a perfect song. If not yeah. a perfect song, that it's opening, incredible. that opening riff gets stuck in my head all the time. The entire every part of this track is amazing. It's like so I, good. I didn't think that I would be so. It had it has to be because that song was so big that it was in a lot of things. So it probably yeah. was like the soundtrack to a lot of things that I've heard and experiences right. in my life. Mm-hmm. But b- breaking that away, like peeling away the personal potential nostalgia that I have with hearing it, because I'm gonna be honest, I don't know if I knew this was a Foo Fighters song. Like I sure. probably heard okay. as many things and just just knew the song. Right. It's it's astonishing. It it honestly blew me away how good that song is and how much I really, really like that yeah, song. Yeah, it's so good. It's actually the band's first entry into the Billboard Hot 100. And did it reach number one or no? It reached number 19. Oh, top 20. That's solid. Yeah. Uh, one really cool thing about this that I found out, in July 2015, a group of 1,000 Italian musicians shot a video all playing and singing the song as a plea for the Foo Fighters to play a concert in Cessna, 
I think that's how it's pronounced. The band responded by playing a 27-song concert for 3,000 people in Cessna, Italy on November 3rd, 2015. Starting their set with Learn to Fly. They should just play to Learn to Fly 28 times. <laughs> but no, yeah, Learn to Fly is I, honestly mind-blowing. Considering the fact that for years I've just kind of, I don't want to say like shit on or like poo-pooed, but just anytime Foo Fighters is brought up by somebody who was like, I don't, I don't just know, I'm good. Like, I don't get it. I'm fine. Right, yeah. Like, this was a moment where I, like, this song alone, I was just like, oh, I get the Foo Fighters. Like, I, I right. get it. I, I understand what people are getting out of this band. I understand the talent that's here. And this this track shows it through and through. It's almost a perfect track. I don't have anything yeah. to say about it. I love this song. Next track is Gimme Stitches. It's a solid track that would be much better if it did not follow Learn to Fly. I think any track that's that tough, you put... Yeah, that's a tough spot to be in. Any track that you put after Learn to Fly is not going to live up to Learn to Fly. And it's right. not... And there, there is a problem with some songs later on this album that maybe this one could have used that problem is it doesn't sound enough like Learn to Fly for it to be even like in the conversation it's just kind of like okay we got past learn to fly now this is just the the speed bump at the end of that thing <laughs> but it's not a bad song it's catchy it's solid it's it's grooving a lot of these rock tracks have a lot of groove behind them which mm-hmm. i don't i don't think a lot of the you know other bands that we've mentioned have that groove that i want right they have a groove that is more like my knuckles are dragging on the ground not, <laughs> not i'm a musician right that's, and that's one thing about the Foo Fighters, I think, that uh, that maybe, I don't want to say doesn't give it, get enough attention, but the musicianship, I think, is outstanding when it comes to Dave Grohl and the boys. I think Learn to Fly shows that you can be extremely talented as a musician, but you also don't have to overdo everything. Right. Like it's, it's, it's done in such a way where... You can hear the talents there, but they're not. They're not showing off. They're like they they are. They are good enough to know when to ease back the pedal and like really know what put out a really good sounding song. Yes. Next up is Generator. Yep. And I, (laughs) the sound at the beginning that sounds like that tube in the mouth instrument. That's what it it is. It's it's a talk box. It's called a talk box. Yep. Yeah, I I just was listening to a record a couple weeks ago where they used the talk box very heavily in like mm. two or three tracks. Yeah. And I love that sound. I love a talk <laughs> I box. I do too. <laughs> I was so in. I was so into this. <laughs> oh, I'm glad you had that reaction because like I yeah. I love that sound. And much like the cabeza or the crank instrument in the first track, this yeah. is what I needed right here to bring me back into okay now i can now i can get back to something learn to flies over we got past the you know the next thing and now this is something different give me that we're gonna move in, in into it i think i may have heard this one before you said okay. it was a single but in the uk yeah so it was a single know. in the uk i don't think it ever hit big over here and i don't recall ever hearing it on the radio but this is also at a time where, like I said, I got my first car and I had a disc man. So I was listening to uh, yes. the book of CDs that I had tucked under yeah. the passenger seat. Yes. It, it's another really solid track. And I enjoy the sentiment behind the track. Yeah. I like mm-hmm. the, I, you know, I'm the generator. I'll be there to like go when you can't shit like that. Yeah. Like, I love yeah. that. I, it was great. I, but it wasn't, it wasn't in a way like I'm stronger than you. It was right. in a no. way of like, 
I'm here for you. Yeah. Which I will take that because like, as I'm, we know, I love love. Yeah, exactly. See, I was hoping you would get that out of this song because I've yes. always said this song is like kind of a love song. Like it's it's like yeah. a but not just it doesn't have to be like a even a relationship. Love. No. It could be like a friendship love. It could be a family. Yeah, right. love. Like just I'm there for you. I'll be your general. Yeah, I right. love I'm, I I'm your backup you. with whatever you need. Yeah, I'll help yeah. you. I'll, I'll, I'll keep you running. I'm not going to, you know, not because I'm the strongest person in the world, not because I'm, I'm here. Yeah, but I'm, I'm here to help. Yeah. I'm not the electricity. I'm not the power plant. I'm just no. a generator. I'm here yep. to help out. That's it. Next up, we have Aurora. Yep. This track was kind of a like a real lull in the road for me. Like, okay. I don't know what happened, but every time I would be listening to this through, I it would hit this song and I'd look at, I, this would be the time where I would look and see like where we're at in the album. I don't know why. I don't okay. know why. I think the song may have went on and on and on and on and on. And there you go. You're welcome for that reference. That's <laughs> yeah. the fucking lyrics. Yeah. <laughs> but it is also a nice relaxation and a nice interlude, if you will. Like, I, I didn't pay too much attention to this song. Okay. I, I enjoyed it for what it was. Um, I think it is well-placed, though. Like, it's a nice relaxation time after Generator, which is great <laughs> with the <laughs> you know with the, with the talk box. It's a nice yeah. bring you down from that. Next up is Live in Skin. Mm-hmm. I love the sound of the wordplay in the chorus of the turn the inside outside, etc. I love like, that I too. Yeah, I love the wordplay in it. Yep. I, I like I like the track too. I don't I don't have anything bad to say about it, or even more than that, to be honest with you. Okay. Now next year I could talk about this track forever because to me this mm-hmm. track is huge Eve Six vibes. Okay. It sounds to me like an Eve Six song through and through. I love Eve Six. I've always loved Eve Six. And I don't even mean just like here's to the night. I mean like jetpack and all all Eve Six. The I deep cuts. <laughs> have you listened to all of Eve Six records? I've listened to the first one with the fly on the cover. You've listened to the fly record, which is what it's called. <laughs> oh, is it okay? And yeah. then the one after that, horoscope. Horoscope, yes. Okay, that's the one. That's the one with here's to the night. Yes, I've listened to those two records. That's it. Horoscope's such a good record. I don't think I listened to that one very much. That was Emily loved that CD. I bought that. The only reason I listened to it is I bought it for her for like a birthday at one point. And then I might have listened to it while we were in the car or something. For many years, my favorite song of all time was from the Eve Six Horoscope record. Oh, wow. Okay. It's Promised. I love that song so much. Yeah, I don't know like, it off the top of my head. I don't know if a song touched me emotionally <laughs> until I was a lot, a lot older and more developed emotionally than Promise. Okay. It's insane. That I might we might do a mini on just that track so you can listen to it. I was gonna say I'll have to listen to it. I love the Eve Six Five, so I love the track, everything about it. Did you ever watch the show Ed? Like the horse? No, not Mr. Ed. <laughs> <laughs> the TV series Ed. I don't I don't think I ever watched it, but the the opening to next year was used as the theme song for NBC television series Ed. That's in, that's that's pretty wild. <laughs> yeah. No, I've I don't think I've ever watched Ed. Next up we have Headwires. Mm-hmm. I it's just an innocuous song to me. It kind of just breezes by and I only mildly care during the great chorus. If there's okay. one thing that I can guarantee I'm going to hear in a Foo Fighters record, it's a catchy chorus. Oh, yeah. Dave Grohl, I guess, at least knows how to put together a catchy chorus. 100% he does. Which makes me think that 
Dave Grohl had a probably a lot to do with some of the catchy, catchy Nirvana stuff. <laughs> That's a possibility. I, I don't know if I ever dove into who wrote what song. Yeah. When it came to Nirvana, I think I always just assumed Kurt Cobain wrote everything for that band, mm-hmm. uh, which might have been that that might be what it is. And then Dave kind of adopted that writing style when it came to Foo Fighters. But from what I understand, Foo Fighters was a side project of Dave Grohl's even while Kurt Cobain was alive. And Dave brought some of the songs for the first album to Kurt Cobain and Kurt was stoked on him. I, I could I could see that. And we we do give a lot of credit to lead singers of bands before we know anything about what they do. Right. And I'm not, I don't just mean Kirk Cobain. I mean, any, yeah, no, ever, front, any, yeah. any front man of any band, just because you're seeing them, that's who you're seeing. Right. That's who you think the band you just is. And kind of automatically assume that they wrote all the lyrics yeah. and stuff when yes. in actuality that probably like half the time isn't even the case. Yeah, no, it's, it's, for the most part, it's probably a whole band situation. Or there's like the guitarist is the guy leading it. Or the drummer. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Like I know um, less than Jake, their drummer, Vinny, did a lot of the lyric writing for that band. When I think of a drummer leading a band, I just keep thinking of the Almost, the dude from Oath. Oh, right. The Under dude Oath. from Under Oath, yeah. But like, I don't know. I don't know who wrote Under Oath. I really don't. I'm not sure. No. Next up, we have Ain't It The Life. Ain't It The Life. It's a spacey, dreamy, airy track. It really, we talked about this on the pavement episode, maybe, but this song really reminded me of the Eagles. It was a very Eagles okay. vibe. To yeah, me. I gotcha. I also think it maybe should be the closer. I, I feel like it's airy okay. enough that it it would let this album kind of like just drift off, which I would appreciate. Sure. Yeah, I gotcha. I think we've come to the realization that I will give most any credit to a closer like I've, right. I've said before that if it drifts off i'm good i've said before that it needs a definitive ending and it's good i think <laughs> i think i will if it's a closer it's just good yeah i'll do mental Either gymnastics yeah <laughs> to figure out how it's good right but the actual closer on this record is mia mm-hmm. and if the mission statement of this this track is like a meta answer to the album closing like it's kind of like yes the song is the song but it's also like I'm MIA that the album's ending. It's a meta answer thing, which kind of sounds like the idea of quote unquote pretentious Dave Grohl. I would have in my head would do like he right. would do something like, and he has the talent and capabilities to pull something like that off. Mm-hmm. The track itself is pretty good. Um, I love it as the closer, but I also don't know if it should be the closer. It's one, it's one of those <laughs> weird things. Uh, it's a little slow, but the winding down of the album, if that's the idea of this whole thing, it really right. works for the record. It really yeah. works. Well, the, the second half of the record really does kind of wind down quite a bit. Yeah, I would definitely go side A on this is is much more to my liking. Mm-hmm. I mean, and that's not just because of Learn to Fly, because right. you could put Learn to Fly on the second half and it would just be the greatest song on the second half, period. <laughs> right. But yeah, the, the last the last half of this really is a wind down. Yeah, but it kind of is. For me to expect that kind of wind down, I usually need a bigger wind up. Like I need to okay. be wound up more for that long wind down. Sure. But I, I will, I'll forgive it. It's really weird that I liked this as much as I did because I did not expect to like this nearly as much as I did. I, right. I, I, I usually don't have a, like expectations, mm. but there is something I, there's always an expectation. If you listen to music as much as we do, you're going to have an expectation based off of just the name even. 
Right. Yeah. And I kind of expected you to come into it. I, I don't want to say negatively, uh, because we're, we're both pretty open to whatever the other one gives mm -hmm. to us, but I knew you kind of had a, a, an idea of what the Foo Fighters were about just based yeah. on Dave Grohl and being a part of the huge grunge, grunge scene and then coming through and like, I knew you knew some of the singles. Yeah. So I thought you had a little bit of an expectation here, kind of more negatively, but I'm I'm happy that you liked it, at least some of it. <laughs> no, I there's not a track on here that I would skip, really. Like, I like the whole thing. There wasn't a time when I was listening through it, even when I threw it on Shuffle, where I'd be like, I don't care about this song right now. I, I liked all these songs. And it. I told Tara last night, I was like, I really like the record Scott gave me this week. That's awesome. And she's like, what was it? I was like, Foo Fighters. She's like, really? <laughs> She's like, I never thought you would like the Foo Fighters. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So what are your top three off this? My top three. I actually have like a top quarter of the record. God, God damn it. I'm, I'm not going to say it. I do have, have a top three, but there's a certain spot of this record that I think is just amazing. Okay, let me guess. Is it is it Breakout, Learn to Fly, Give Me Stitches? Is that the run that you love? No, it's a it's a four song run. It's Learn to Fly. Gimme Stitches, Generator, and Aurora. So you love Aurora, the track I, that kind of... Aurora is my number three. Okay. That one was kind of like a mental meditation for me, where it was happening, I and I would always just... I love the wind down of it. And that's probably what didn't do it for me, is it was such right. a... Because that's, that track winds down, and then the album kind of stalls and then continues to wind down. Right. So I think because that one wound down so quickly, it was mm. just kind of like a, okay, this track's happening. What's next? I don't think there was enough interesting in there for me. But again, okay. I didn't like it. Or I didn't hate it is what I right. mean. I didn't, dis I didn't dislike it. It reminded me, I think maybe I like it because the Foo Fighters have that point in each record where they have like kind of a, a very cool down song. Okay. Um, in the previous record, The Color and the Shape, they have a song called Walking After You that is a very wind down song. And it's just, I like the the moments that I get to breathe in records. Like it's just, I don't want to say it's atmospheric because it's it's not. It's just, yeah, it gives it that, that song has that space to breathe in this track listing, I guess. I think it gave me room to breathe. And when I was given that room to breathe and like I wasn't being smothered by the record, but I think when it gave me room to breathe, I was just like, you didn't need it. I'm ready to not breathe again. Like, let's right. go, let's get, let's get back <laughs> right. to it. I gotcha. Learn to fly is my number two. Oh, okay. All yeah. right. Generator is my number one. Yeah. Generator is a great track. Generator, Generator has been my number one on this record since I picked up this record in 99. Yeah. I, I really like that Generator. song. Yeah. I really I like love that song. It's probably, Generator is probably two. Mm. Learn to fly is, I can't put anything above learn to fly because if I think it's in top 10 rock tracks period, it's definitely has to be top one sure. on this album. Yeah. Like I this, gotcha. It, it's that song. I had a feeling that's where it was going to go for you. Yeah. It's, it's unbelievable. So then we have Learn to Fly Generator and then probably next year, just because I love the Eve Six feels. Yeah, sure. I, I just that's love a great track too. Yeah. Day. But like the first half of this is just crushers. Like st like stacked actors break out, learn to fly, gimme give gimme give stitches and generator. That that yeah. to me I is... love how this record starts off. It's in a top tier as far as like A sides. Yeah. I agree. I think "Gimme Stitches" is a better track when it's not following "Learn to Fly." Like when I when sure. I when I, ran, when I randomized this record and listened to it, it was it it was a better song. But you, I don't know if there's a song. Yeah, that's on the thing that you can't you can't follow up "Learn to Fly" with hardly anything. Per personally, I might throw "Aurora" after 
learn to fly because then okay. you would, like you, a real you, cool down yeah you'd really wind down from that and then they, I, I and per, that's for me because i wouldn't be bothered if that song was buried really. sure. yeah but, i gotcha because let's be real anything after learn to fly is buried on this album yeah it's 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 a tough spot to be in yeah so that's that's my top three bookhead test we have the opener which is stacked actors we talked about the lowrider song the yep. lowrider sounds mm-hmm. and then to to mia which is the in my head the meta mission statement that this is an mission statement that this is ending this is where i don't know if i had a journey like i okay. i feel like i feel like i don't need it though like sure. th- this this genre this type of quote unquote rock music yeah. i don't need a journey in there like i i, I understand off the first track what i'm going to get mm-hmm. i understand the last track that it's, it's the last it's the last track and then whatever's inside, I enjoyed it. So I'm not going to dive deeper into that book. Like, it's a very quick story between the opener and the closer. But it's a very enjoyable story. It's like a Goosebumps book. There you it's go. short, <laughs> but it's great. Right. How did I just compare Foo Fighters to R.L. Stein's Master? I don't know. I dig it, though, because I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm a fan. Okay. Then uh, bookend test is over. We did our top threes. Thrown on or grown for you? It's definitely known. It's a It's a... I haven't added it to the watch, like the watch list yet. I haven't mm-hmm. like done a you thing where I buy it and I can show it on here, but <laughs> it will be added. And I, I do see it for sale a bunch just because I recognize the, the cover whenever you gave it to me initially and I pulled right. it up. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I don't, you know, obviously there's a monetary limit. I'm not going to, unless I can get that temporary tattoo. There you go. It's definitely a known though. I would definitely buy this. And if for nothing else, just I'm, I play side A. I yeah. just play Learn to Fly over and over again. <laughs> I think I think that would sound great. But it's definitely known for me, and I was very surprised that I liked this as much as I did. Oh, I'm super glad. I don't know if that means I don't want to overdo Foo Fighters for me because I feel sure. like I feel like that could definitely happen. Like I feel like I could definitely get overwhelmed by Foo right. Fighters. Yeah. Overindulgent. That's what I don't want from the Foo Fighters. And I feel like Dave Grohl right. constantly could ride that line. Because if you're that talented, you're gonna be indulgent. You're gonna be self-indulgent. Because oh, yeah. like if you're doing it, you're it's gonna happen. So what else are you listening to this week then? What's your record of the week? I had two. One originally you never obey the rules. I know, you I don't always, obey the rules. You always dick around and give I me do. 17 different <laughs> I things. I do. I'm well, this one was a special circumstance. Um my record of the week when I wrote down what my record of the week was was Wormwitch Wolf Hex. Okay, which I also own two copies of. Yes, you do. I really enjoyed it. Great black metal. Was not expecting it to be as good as it was. Uh, I really loved the dog sounds that that kind of permeate the record. Yeah, I really dig it. But then tragedy struck on Thursday when the Mighty Mighty Boss Tones broke up. <laughs> okay, I, yeah, <laughs> I I knew that was gonna come up, but yeah. in my head, I didn't. I wasn't thinking about that. So when you said the tragedy struck, I don't know why. Oh, but no. I thought I thought you were coming at me and saying that bad out of hell. Oh. Was going to be your record of the week. No, I do like Bad Out of Hell. It's a great record. But uh, yeah, the Boston's broke up. And then I went deep into listening to them like all Friday. And my other record of the week is one I'm going to bring to you eventually is Question the Answers by the Mighty Buddy Boston's. My favorite record of theirs. And I think the first ska CD I ever owned. So RIP to the your your ska messiah like they brought you <laughs> ska, so they R. did I beat it to them yeah 
I think I know your... a few tracks, but I don't. I don't. You probably know, know the impression that I get. That was huge Maybe. all over the place. And then you might know another song of theirs that was on. Did you ever watch the movie Clueless? Yeah, but I wouldn't know. I, I'm I'm very bad at. I think we talked about this before. I'm very bad at recognizing songs from movies and things because I don't I don't hear them as the song. I right. hear them as the accompaniment to the actions that are on the screen. Well, they were so on the, screen. They were playing a show. They were playing a party. Listen, it took me years to realize it was Cannibal Corpse on Ace Ventura. Okay? <laughs> right. It, it's the same kind of situation. Uh, the Boston's are playing a party. Okay, so because you get you gave me two records a week, I'm going to throw two at you then. Do I wasn't it. Gonna I, do I, it. Yeah, no, do it. But now I got to. Yeah, let's. I want to hear. The first one is Suffocate's album. Not suffocation, mind you. It's suffocate. Okay. It's a it's a it's a much different band. <laughs> it, it's it's suffocates s s u f f o k a t e, and it's no mercy, no forgiveness by suffocate. And this album was big for me when it came out, and I randomly stumbled across it, and I was like, I need to re-listen that thing, and it's it's still a crusher. Oh, okay. The the lead vocalist has like forehead tattoos and shit like it's wild and then my actual record of the week since that's the bonus i gave you mm -hmm. and this is gonna sound insane <laughs> but i stumbled upon these viral sounds on tiktok that okay. are it's it's hank hill rap songs like it's a dude pretending to be hank hill singing like like trap songs oh no and it's called hank trill i, I found an <laughs> I found an album on Amazon Music that I've been listening to. It's called Propane Pays the Bills. That's awesome. <laughs> it's absolutely insane, and I love every bit of it. Whenever the producer drop happens, yeah, it's a Metro Boomhauer. <laughs> 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 and like, don't get me wrong, it's not good. Like, I, I acknowledge that it's not good, but for what it is, it's way better than it should be. That's and funny. gave me. Gave me so much entertainment this week. I listened to that thing. I might have listened to that thing more than I listened to Foo Fighters. Oh, no. and, and I listened to Foo Fighters record quite a bit. That's so funny. So it's Hank Trill's Propane Pays the Bills. Gotcha. Insane. It's insane. And I, I, I love King of the Hill, so it was perfect. For yeah. Me. I went through a, a long King of the Hill phase as well. Okay. So we got a record so we got the way. Yep. I said I said I'm gonna own the Foo Fighters record. That's awesome. so all's left is to tell you what we're listening to next week. Yeah, what am I listening to next week? So before I give you what we're listening to, have you listened to Arch Enemy? They're, uh, they're metal with a female vocalist. Yes, I don't think I've listened to a full record. I might have seen them on a Mayhem Fest. Okay, it's either going to be an Arch Enemy record. Okay, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna I'm gonna let you choose. This is what's gonna happen. Oh goodness, because you, you don't know what Arch Enemy record, but it's either gonna be an Arch Enemy record. Mm -hmm. Or an album from 1982. Oh, man. So you choose which one you want, and that's the one we're going to listen to. Oh, man. Okay, here's the thing. My birthday is coming up. You're aware of this. Yes. You will be giving me a record to listen to the day after my birthday. So we're going to, and I was born in 1982. So we're going to go with Arch Enemy this week, and then we're, we'll save the 82 record. So then... The Arch Enemy, and I, I kind of wish that you wouldn't have even known it was a female vocalist because oh, okay. if, if you would have listened, it, you you probably would not have been able to tell. There is a lot of female vocalists in metal that sound like, like I I don't want it to. They sound like dudes. Like I don't I don't want to be. I mean I think it's just the vocal sounding style. or anything like that. But yeah, the vocal style they 
sound. There's another band, Straight Line Stitch. Yeah, that chick, yeah. dude, she's a phenomenal vocalist. Bloodline calligraphy too. She's unbelievable. But we're not, we're not talking about those bands. No, and I'm not, not going to say much about Arch Enemy. Sure, we'll talk about that on the episode. Yeah, but the record you're going to get is Arch Enemy's Doomsday Machine. Doomsday Machine. This record was huge for me. It was the first Arch Enemy record I've ever heard. Okay, I, it was one. It was one that I picked up as a CD. Didn't know what it was. Was embarrassed to listen to it at the, at the listening station. <laughs> And just like took it, and then it, 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 it blew my mind. And okay. I am, and to the point where like years later, I was showing people videos of I, I wouldn't let them hear, I wouldn't let them see the video yet, but I'd say listen to this, and then show them a video and show them who the vocalist was, and they were like, that's not real, that's not a real right, thing, right? But it's also, I think it's it's a it's a very good record, and I'm ex- I'm excited to see what you think about it. And I'm excited to talk about it in depth. Yeah, I'm line. excited. I'm excited to listen to it. I think, I think I know like a little bit of trivia about Arch Enemy, but I, for real, I, I can't, I can't remember listening to a full record. Didn't they switch up their vocalist? Okay, I mean, we're gonna get into this in the episode. Sure, sure. No, we can get into it in the episode. <laughs> I just like I. That's the only thing I know about them really is that uh, female vocalist, but they switched out vocalist at some point. I think that's all I know. Yeah, they they switched out twice, but we'll, oh, okay. we'll talk about it. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about we'll, it next we'll week. Talk about all of it. Foo Fighters was a own for me. Foo Fighters, there's nothing to lose was an own for me. That's awesome. We we talked about record of the week. Check out our Facebook group. It'll be in the link down below in the episode description. We you can find us anywhere you can listen to podcasts. We are all over the place now. Uh, thank you to everybody who listens to us, interacts with us, send us an email. Uh, at are you listening dot pod at gmail.com well i i check that stuff every day thank you everybody for listening and, and yes. if you interact with us thank you for that thank you thank you for being you we appreciate all of you 100 percent. and i appreciate you i appreciate you thank you again for another episode and another album that i enjoyed which i didn't expect i'm to, super glad you enjoyed it i really am like this was one that I was really hoping you would dig, and I'm super glad you did. Well, in order to enjoy something, you have to listen. So you have to ask yourself, are you listening? Are you listening? It's like one of those jokes that it's so true it hurts deep deep down inside. There is really a time where they were trying to get us to have cartoon and humans have sex. God damn it, Bobby. I keep that thing on me.